0: today. I'm reading this morning from the Gospel of John. The chapter is four. I'll be reading at verse number six, and I'll be ending at verse number 14. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour of the day. A woman of Samaria came and came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food then the woman of Samaria said to him how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me a Samaritan woman for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans Jesus answered and said to her if you only knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me drink, you would, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and, the, and beside that the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who... Who gave us this well and drank from it himself, and as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Let me, let me repeat that one more time. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of, of water springing up unto everlasting life. Look to the person next to you if you don't mind and, and say this. There is something in the water. Go ahead and have your seats. Go ahead and have your seats. There is something, there is something, there is something in the water. The conversation between Jesus and this Samaritan woman is such an insightful one to all those who are involved. It was insightful for the woman that he was speaking to it. It was later on insightful for Jesus' disciples when they came back. Of course, it was insightful at the end of this account to the entire village as the woman would go and and give an invitation to come and see. But ultimately, this, this conversation, this account that John takes particular care and attention by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to, to put pen to paper, and to share with with his audience, this account, this conversation becomes very insightful for the readers of today, for people like you and me. Throughout the history of man, there, there have been some essential items to our existence and well-being. These items have become symbolic of life itself among all cultures past, and present, ancient as well as modern. Throughout scripture, we find these items also being used as a description of not only life, but a certain quality of life. Here are some symbols that uh, our, our you know, human beings and civilizations have used and still do use to, to represent life. You have, for example, the, 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 the seed is used as a means of identifying life. Whether we're talking about a plant seed or a person, seeds are used as a symbol for life. We also have the symbol of bread, you know, that, that thing that we eat. Many, many cultures and customs would, would have bread as a symbol of life and living, Some cultures, some some ancient cultures would have used the sun or daylight as a means to identify or symbolize life or existence. What about things like a candle or a lampstand or even oil? These were all symbolic in ancient cultures and throughout scripture to represent life. Of course, we have the age-old wheat or barley, and uh, that is also used in many instances to symbolize life as well. But there is one more that pertains and relates to our text on this morning as we think about symbols that that speak to an, an identity of life, and that is the symbol of water. Scripture recognizes water in various ways, but it is understood that in the ancient cultures and in in, in modern civilizations as well, water itself carries several connotations or meanings. It's no different in Scripture when we see water is used in different ways and in different states, statements that are made throughout the Bible. For example, in Scripture, water is representative at times of chaos. Water is representative of that which is supernatural. Water is representative of power, or I would even go as far as to say absolute power. Water throughout Scripture also represents prosperity and production, as it will. In scripture, water is representative of a change agent and uh, and that's no different from our cultures, even on today uh, uh, there, there, are, there are many cultures who are agriculturally based and what you would often find is that the cultures who lived a little bit a little way away or a distance from water when they when they came to know irrigation and they, they learned how to transport water from uh, a, a a dam or from from from, from uh, a a spring or or from a stream and and bring that water to where they were live in. The place that they were living may have been barren or unfruitful, but as soon as water came onto the scene, that became a game changer. Water is an agent of change. Throughout scripture as well, water is deemed a purifying agent, but it is also seen as a symbol of partnership. I'm just trying to help us to recognize as we look at scripture, scripture plays a huge part in helping us to recognize the value and the importance of water. And so, of course, as we think about the way that it's, it is used within the confines of our text in John chapter 4 this morning, it, it really represents, and Christ is using this to represent life, but, but not just any type of life. He, he really is using it to represent a certain quality of life. So as John takes the opportunity to share and to showcase uh, all the different shades and the meaning of water, he really wants to use the imagery of water to convey not only Jesus' power, but also Jesus' deity. Watch this. Throughout the Gospel of John, we, we have a litany of, of, of different times that water is introduced in John's Gospel writing. In chapter number one, we see water introduced when uh, they are referring to the baptism of both John as well as Jesus. And in chapter number two of the gospel of John, we see Jesus turn water into wine. And in chapter number three, when Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus who came to him by night, he would tell him, except you are born again of water and of the spirit we, we jump to chapter number 5 and Jesus would, would would heal a man that was waiting at a certain pool and uh, and this pool uh but, but say that this pool the scripture would tell us and describe a scene where people who had all these different ailments and, and disabilities they would come and they would wait for a certain time in the day when the water would be stirred and and whosoever would have gone into the water first would have come out With healing, But there was a man there who was paralyzed and he couldn't get the opportunity to jump into this pool when the water was stirred. And Jesus looks at him and recognizes him and said, hey, would you be willing to receive your healing? But rather than push him into the pool, and there is power in Jesus not telling him go and wash in the pool. Or Jesus not telling individuals come and put him into the pool. But Jesus heals the man right there at this particular pool. In chapter number 7, he would echo the same words and thoughts he would have echoed in chapter number 4. But in this instance, John would conclude that when Jesus is talking about this eternal life and this water, he was really referring to them who believe receiving the Holy Spirit. In chapter number 13, John records the fact that Jesus would take the time after having the Passover meal with his disciples to to take his clothes off, to gird himself and take a towel and wash the disciples' feet. But in chapter number 19, as proof that Jesus Christ was in fact dead on the cross, a soldier would take a spear, and thrust it into his side. And John would record and pen the description that out of the side of Jesus would flow both blood and water. So I'm trying to help us to recognize that water is, in fact, valuable. And John is trying to paint a very clear picture of the value of water throughout Scripture and in the ministry and life of Jesus. So in chapter number four, when John uses it, he uses it in reference to life and a particular quality of life that is only found and offered in Jesus Christ. So as we look at this particular text, there are, there are three things I want us to notice about water in this text that, that Jesus shares in this conversation with this woman at the well. And I, I want you, if you don't mind, to just Take the opportunity to highlight some of these in your Bibles as well as we look at these three things that Jesus talks about concerning water in this dialogue. Number one, when we think about what water does, I want us to see in this text that Jesus is saying that this water, this specific water that he's talking about connects all people and brings us together. In verses six... To verse number nine, I want us to appreciate this. It says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour of the day. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me drink, for his disciples had gone out into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, what is it that you, being A Jew asks a drink of me, a Samaritan woman, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The first thing I want us to notice in our text on this morning, the water that Jesus is really offering. He says this water has the ability to connect all people as well as bring all people together. Jesus uses the symbolic nature of Jacob's well to really talk about something that's deeper than just this physical water. He uses the, the location of Jacob's well to, to become a, 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 a message of sorts for this woman and everybody else that would read this particular account. For you see, the well was the place, if, if, if you could picture this in your mind, the, the well was the place that everyone at any given point in, in the day had to come to. You couldn't sustain your life without at some point coming to this well. The well meant that every single person, every single creature had life. So you had to come to the well at some point in time. The well was there for everybody. It didn't matter what your station in life was. Even if you you were so rich that you didn't want to come to the well yourself, the truth is you had to send a servant to get the contents of the well. It's not really the well that, that you are coming to, but it's the contents of the well. It's the water in the well that makes all the difference in the world. So the well connected this entire community. The well connected those who were man and those who were mammals, the, the well-connected creatures of all types, two-feeted and four-footed. It didn't matter. The well connects all of us. So when Jesus is talking about uh, this water that he himself could give, I want us to understand that this water, this specific water, not, not the H2O, but the, the Holy Spirit water, that, that specific water that Jesus offers has the ability to connect all of us and bring all of us together. But here's what I want us to see before we move on to our second point really, really quick. I'm intending for this to not be too long. Here's what I want us to see really, really quick. Sometimes to connect with people and to help bring people together, sometimes you have to separate yourself from your group. There have been times when Jesus would obviously teach in a multitude but it's clear here that Jesus waited until his disciples went somewhere else for him to engage this woman because the truth is sometimes in order for you to really connect with somebody in order for you to really bring somebody closer into the knowledge of Jesus Christ sometimes you have to step away From the crowd, you have to step away from the group because sometimes the group does not reflect the ideals that you hold to. You, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, yeah, you know, we, you, you know how we get sometimes we're in a crowd, and you know, you know the type of speech that we have in the crowd. You know the conversations we have in our group sometimes, and, and you're in the crowd, but sometimes, yes, you, you might fall prey to it, and you give in sometimes to the speech, but you know truly down deep in your heart that the conversation we're having right now is not one we're supposed to be having. In order to bring somebody, in order to connect people, and I want you to understand that this woman is coming here to the well because she understands her background, but not only does she understand her background, everybody else has a problem with her background too. So she's coming at the, to the well at a time when it's not convenient because she still needs the water that's there. And sometimes what we have to do in order to get to the people that have been pushed off because of sin or because of marginalization, sometimes we have to leave the crowd that we're with. Because sometimes the crowd aren't a true reflection of the mind and the heart and the character of Jesus Christ. Some of us run in some type of crowd, huh? I was going to list some things, but let me don't do it that way. Some of us run in some crowds, and I need for us to understand that if we have to connect to all people, and if we have to bring all people together, we got to learn from Jesus that sometimes to really connect with people is not just coming on a Sunday morning and gathering like this. It's what takes place after this gathering is over. Some of us are really comfortable being in the crowd, Because it's easy to get lost in the crowd. But the true hard work of discipleship and and sharing this water, this life-giving water, comes not necessarily in the crowd, but the true hard work of getting this water to where it needs to get to comes in going into people's homes and inviting people into your space. It takes a one-on-one effort to connect all people and to bring people together. Point number two, as we look at this particular text, I want us to see that there's a second, there's a second thing that this water does for us as we look at this dialogue that Jesus is having with this particular woman. I'm, I'm trying to take my time, if you don't mind. I, I, could, I could rush and preach this, but I want this to be preached but taught at the same time. So not only does this water that Jesus offers connect all people and brings all people together. I want us to see this number two. This water will change your entire perspective on what's most important in life. Repeat that one more time. The water that Jesus offers will change your entire perspective on what's most important in life, You say, well, Brother Morgan, I really don't see that in the text. Come with me to verse number 10. Come, come with me to verse number 10. In verse number 10, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew... <laughs> We're going to spend a little bit of time on this. If, if you knew, if you only knew, some translations would have the, the gift of God and who it, it is that's saying to you, Give me drink... You would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. She is comparing what Jesus is really offering to what she came to Jacob's well to get. She knows what she came to Jacob's well to get is valuable. She knows what she came to Jacob's well to get is important. She knows what she came to Jacob's well to get is, is vital to her existence and, and her family's existence, but she had yet to understand that what Jesus was offering was that much more valuable, that much more essential, that much more important to her life and well-being. Because you see, the water that she was going to take for herself and for the livestock and for her family, they will drink, but she's going to have to come back to this well every single day, every single week, every single month. And it's not that you don't have to come back to Jesus every single day, every single week, and every single month, but the well of Jesus never runs dry. The well of Jesus never runs low. You notice what she said, you don't even have something to dip with. And besides that, even if you did, I'm not sure you, you are aware of how low the water is because you don't, it's not even long enough because the well is deep. You had to be from the area to understand the level of the water. So she brought something not only to dip, but she brought something long enough to dip. The well of Jesus doesn't run dry. The well of Jesus doesn't run low. On the contrary, sometimes you and I get dry. Sometimes you and I get parched. Sometimes you and I get barren emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically. But Jesus refuels us. Jesus replenishes us. The Holy Spirit gives us life. So here's the difference when when, when we come face to face with the things that we hold important and the things that we hold dear, does Does it hold a candle to what Jesus offers? When we compare the things that are important and vital to us in this physical life. Does it really hold up in a way to what Jesus offers you and me? But Jesus is having this woman to know, listen, it's, it's not so much. It's not so much. And I need for us to see this before I move on to my third point. I'm almost done. I need for us to see this. It's, it's, it's kind of twofold, if not threefold, because Jesus said, listen, if you only knew. Number one, if you only knew the blessing of God. If you only knew the gift of God. I haven't even gotten to the, to the one who is talking to you, yet, to you yet. But if you only knew what God had in store for you. Some of us older folks might forget, might forget how, how joyous Christmas time is. But let me let me see if I can jog our memories in, in a good old ratatouille fashion to throw us back when we were kids. You remember right when, when you would walk through the mall or you would you would be looking at the TV and you and you told your parents, Daddy or Mommy, I want that bike. And, and and you know, you you know how we do it in the US. It's kind of different back home. Back home, you don't see any gifts under the tree until you get up on Christmas Day. Here, you 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 package the gifts, you put it up, and you just lay there maybe for a few days, and it's almost like a temptation tool for the kids for self-control. But depending on how you wrap a bicycle, you know it's a bicycle. You you wrap it up, and you're seeing the handle, you're seeing the wheels, you're seeing the frame. You just don't know what color it is, but you know... Under that, I'm just. I just can't wait to rip this bow off. I can't wait to jump on this thing. I know this is my, my, this is my bike. Before you even get on the seat, before your hands feel the rubber of the handle, before your little foot goes on top of that, on top of those pedals. Before you even push, you're excited because you know that that gift there is mine. That's the connotation. When, when Jesus says to her, if you, only, if you only knew the blessing of God. Church, has anybody here seen heaven? Let, let me talk to some people. That's our wake. Let me talk to some people. Has anybody here seen Heaven? But let me ask you this question. Do you know heaven is real? (laughs) If you only know, you, you haven't even seen it yet. You haven't been there yet. But in your heart of hearts, you know that heaven is real. So he says like a child on Christmas that sees their gift days in advance before they even step foot on it. He says to her, if you only knew the blessing of God. If you only knew what God had in store. Do you not know what God has in store for you? He says, on top of that, not only only do you have to not know the, the gift of God, but he says, listen, if you also knew the one who was telling you, give me drink. The blessing of the water that Jesus is offering is not just the promise. It's not only in the giving of the Holy Spirit, which is really what the reference to water here is all about. John makes that clear in John chapter 7, verse 38, 39. But the true blessing starts in understanding the one who makes it possible. The true blessing of receiving the promise, heaven, and ultimately receiving the water of the Holy Spirit, you have to first get to know the one who's given it. So you can't receive the Holy Spirit nor the blessing of heaven without without connecting to Jesus Christ. And that becomes important for us because we have too many people trying to to get to heaven, but they don't want to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And then on top of that, you you can't really get the the true gift or the true blessing until you have truly drunk from the well that Christ is offering to us. Because this, this water is, in fact, an agent of change. So I want us to see that. That as Jesus is having this conversation with this woman, let me hasten to my third point. Not only do we recognize that this water that he offers connects all people and brings all people together. Not only does this water uh, give us a perspective that will change our ideas and thoughts on what's most important in life. But number three, I want us to see and appreciate that this water is better than anything that this world could offer us. I don't care who your heroes are. Jesus is bigger and Jesus is better. Uh, And let me don't say that like if I'm being disrespectful, when you hear me say I don't care, but the point is it doesn't matter who we lift up on a pedestal as heroes, as social change agents, whatever. I'm trying to help you to recognize that it doesn't matter how great a man or woman is. They pale in comparison to Jesus Christ. Let me show you this really quickly in the text because you might be thinking, well, Brother Morgan, I don't see that in the text. Okay, come with me into verse number 11 of chapter 4. The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you, she says, greater than our father Jacob? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and the livestock that he had? If we're not careful, we'll lift human beings on a pedestal where Jesus is meant to be. (laughs) If you can't say amen to that, you could tap your toe. (laughs) Because if we're not careful, we lift up human beings at a place of perfection. And when those human beings fall and falter, we lose all sense of hope and direction because we're placing in a place of priority and station in life the only place that Christ and God and the Holy Spirit is supposed to be. So he says when you understand the blessing of this water and the impact and the power of this water, you understand that this water is better than anything that this life has and can offer you and me. In conclusion, let me let me share some things about this water that that becomes so important to us as we understand why Jesus is using. I believe, and John takes opportunity to use this item. This water has the ability to bring order to chaos. This water that Jesus offers has the ability to bring purification to our sins. The water that Jesus offers has the ability to bring peace in the middle of our storms. This water has the ability to change our unfruitfulness to an abundance of fruit. There is help with this water for our helplessness and there is hope With this water for our hopelessness. In this water we have renewal. We have revival. We have relationship. We have revelation. In this water we have regeneration. We have reconciliation. With this water we have right standing with God. The power of this water that John and the Holy Scriptures helps us to identify. That is as well as with this power we have. A resurrection. So when we think about. This water. I want you to understand this. No, no, no Dr. Pepper. Could hold a candle to this water. No, no, no sweet tea. No, nothing that you think is good. Could hold a candle to this. This, this thing does stuff. That these other physical things can't. So. So, so here's my conclusion to you. Don't just sip on it. Put the entire bottle to your head and drink it down in one gulp. And if, if that isn't enough, take, take the, the contents of the bottle and then just let it bathe all over your head. <laughs> let, 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 let that water run down from your, your face all the way down to your chest and let the water run all the way down to your foot. Let, be soaked in it. If, 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 if that's not good enough, I want you to fill your tubs with, with, with that water and, and just dive in it. Make a pool out of it. Get, get drowned in it because, because this water is a game changer for you and, and for me. When Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, Peter recognized what he was doing and Peter tried to say, Lord, Lord, don't, don't, don't do this. And and Jesus said, Peter, if I don't do this for you, you don't have part nor luck with me. And so when Peter recognized what Jesus was saying, no, Peter said, Lord, bathe me. Don't, don't, don't just wash my feet. I I need for you to bathe me. In, In other words, I need for us to see the picture that we need to be saturated. We need to be so, so filled with the water that Jesus offers. Because it's only then that we would have life and have it more abundantly. If you're thirsty and you're parched, drink the water that Jesus offers. If you're having trouble in this life, I want to conclude that we need to be drinking the water that Jesus offers. If you're struggling with anxiety or unforgiveness, and, and all, I'm, I'm encouraging you to drink the water that Jesus offers. Because it will change your life. Could you stand with me? Look to the person next to you and say this with some feeling. There is something in the water.